Well, we have, uh, we have a lot on this service today, and, uh, but I want to bring you the Word of God. I want to challenge your hearts today. Uh, I, I want to ask right now, if you haven't done it already, just ask the Spirit of God to fill you. Do not assume that you're filled with the Spirit because you're a Christian. The filling, there are multiple fillings that happen in your life. You see, the problem with Christians is we leak. We get filled and we leak. So you want to walk in the Spirit of God. What I see happening today in America is a tipping point. There's a tipping point. It's a, it's a moment when something becomes irreversible and unstoppable. And right now, I believe there is um, a duality of a tipping point happening in America and especially in California. And that is that we can go either way. We can lose what we have or we can birth out of this crisis a revival, a kingdom movement that is unlike anything maybe we've seen in the last 50 years. But that depends on you and I. Tipping points occur because momentum builds up, often slowly and quietly, until a point when it is impossible to go back to a previous state. When we refer to tipping points in biblical prophecy, we refer to a combination of world events and human decisions that collide with God's timetable. When you study the Word of God, the thing that always always just jumps out at you is how God takes historical moments, historical figures, and at just the right time, he blends that with the move of his spirit in order to change the climate of that very hour in which we're reading. Some people get so spiritual, they're over here and they're not doing anything to make a difference, and they think God's gonna work in that way. And other people, all they're doing is doing things and they're not really relying on the Spirit. I really believe it's a combination of the two. I read an article uh, in the Los Angeles Times on April 2nd. These were the headlines, it caught my attention. Why America's record godliness is good news for the nation. Now if you're a believer, the first thing that you do is say, wait a minute, that's not good news. Let me read you just a portion of that article. The secularization of US society the waning of religious faith, practice and affiliation is continuing at a dramatic and historically unprecedented pace. While many may consider such a development a cause for concern, such a worry is not warranted. This increasing godliness in America is actually a good thing to be welcomed and embraced. And that is the mindset that we are contending with. Remember, behind a mindset, there is always a spiritual battle. The Bible reminds us that we're not contending with flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and wicked rulers in high places. Haggai told us this about world events as he began to speak to God's involvement. In Haggai chapter 2, verses 6 and 7, he says, For thus says the Lord of hosts, Once more I will shake heaven and earth. Now pause long enough to realize what he just said. God is going to shake not just the earth, but he's gonna shake heaven as well. You see, when God begins to shake up the spiritual forces that are in the heavenlies, that is the demonic spirits that we're contending with, they know a shaking is taking place. You see, whenever, whenever Jesus came into a town, remember when he came to Legion, and, and Legion was so afraid of Jesus 
He said, why have you come before the time? Do you realize demonic spirits know when the time of judgment is? They may not know the exact date, but there's no a judgment is coming. Even Satan knows that his end is in the, in the, in the uh, front windshield of his life, but he's not gonna change because his character's nature is not such. But he says, I'm gonna shake heaven and I'm gonna shake earth. When we see earth being shaken, we, when we see governments being toppled, when we see uh, tech and media and pharma all, pharma all coming together to somehow change America, we get so concerned that we lose our mind instead of transforming our mind that we might walk in the spirit and the power of Almighty God. This is not a time for alarm. This is a time to, to lean into God in a powerful way and see what God is up to because he's shaking the nations. He says, I will shake all the nations. Have you noticed how this event called COVID, which in any other time in history, it would have been called the flu. But if you call it COVID, it's kind of scary. It sounds like something that came out of Star Trek, right? COVID-19. No, it's the flu. Right? So all of a sudden, the nations are shaken. Did you ever think that maybe God is taking this and using it to get the attention of the nations? To get your attention? To get my attention? That they may come, look what it says, that they may come to what? The desire of all nations. You know what every nation and every person within every nation desires? They desire, they just don't know it, they desire a relationship with their creator. They desire to be in relationship, in a relationship that is so warm and so winsome and so powerful that they are transformed and they understand the concept of what it means to have a creator and be a creature. To walk in, in, the, in their destiny that God has designed for them. He says, I'm shaking nations, why? So I'm gonna bring them to the desire of the nations. Would you, would you agree with me that COVID would be worth it all if the nations would come to faith in God, right? You know, every time you go through a tough time in your life and you hate it, like all of us do, but you get to the other side of it and you say, I hated that, I don't wanna go through it again, but I am really been changed by it, and I'm thankful for that. And he said, and I will fill this temple with glory, says the Lord of hosts. You see, when he talks about glory, he's talking about the manifest presence of God. When God's glory comes into a place, when you walk into a room and you sense or feel the Holy Spirit, that is a manifestation of the glory of God. It's the face of God in that place. And you can walk in that encounter. You say, well, I'd like to have that kind of encounter, have it right where you are now. Just acknowledge his presence. I just acknowledge your presence right now, God. I just acknowledge your presence right now. God says, I will shake heaven and I will shake earth. You realize as a resident of earth, he wants to shake you. He wants you to be shaken too. What in your life needs to be shaken to get you to walk in the power of God today? Would you yield that to him? Nations will experience turmoil. This is a plan of God. God says, I like it when nations are in turmoil. You know why? Because there's a dependency that comes. When you hit a certain tipping point in being away from God and the ungodliness that is happening in a place, you go, I need God in my life. You see, God is creating a hunger and a desire. 
You know, I, I love that psalm where it says, my, my heart longs for you. You know, as the, as the deer pants for you after the water brook, water brooks, so my heart pants after you, the living God. And he said, tears have been my only food both day and night. And you see this picture of this psalmist who's, who's writing, and probably David in that story, and he's saying that I, I am so desperate for God, I didn't have time to eat. I wanted to be in your presence so much, God, that all I did was cry in my tears, and they filled my mouth. It was my only food both day and night. The living God, when shall I stand before your face? That was the heart cry. We have been involved in global lockdown for about a year now. We decided on May 31st that we had had enough, and we were reopening. And we really didn't know what direction to take. We didn't have a road map. We didn't, all we knew was we weren't going to close. We didn't know how you would respond, and we realized a lot of our church still hasn't come back, and we love them. We're glad we have opportunity to either provide outdoor or online for them. But, you know, we knew that we had to stand in the midst of all of this. I don't quite honestly understand what, how churches have not been opened yet, and they're so cautious, and they're, you know, they're, they're so bold to sing these great songs, and yet they don't live them out. We have to live it out. The global lockdowns that Bill Gates helped orchestrate and cheerlead have bankrupt more than 100,000 businesses in the U.S. A billion people have plunged into poverty, according to the United Nations, and deadly food insecurity that, among other devastating harms, kill 10,000 African children every single month. See, we don't think about that. When you go to your local supermarket and you buy food, you don't think about the number of children who have now increased in poverty or increased in death because of this global pandemic. This is not isolated to our world. It is worldwide. And at the same time, while Bill Gates has increased his fortune by $20 billion, according to the Land Report, on January 21st, Gates has quietly made himself the largest farmland owner in the United States. Whenever these things happen, I always say, why? There's always an agenda. And it says, it goes on to say this, that Gates' portfolio now comprises of 242,000 acres of American farmland and nearly 27,000 acres of other lands across Louisiana, Arkansas, Nebraska, Arizona, Florida, Washington, and 18 other states. And that's according to the Children's Health Defense website, April 2nd. When you see those things, you go, something's wrong. There's something wrong and you should drive you deeper into God and to activating your faith in society. Don't ever sit back and think like you might have done in a previous day. I know I did. Well, I'm sure somebody smarter and more connected will take care of it for me. That's just not true. Do you realize your voice is a loud voice when it begins to uh, approach those of politicians who are threatened by it. I watched, I was a part from a very distant position of that recall, and as I watched it, and I got on some of the Zoom calls, the weekly calls for the recall, and you see this momentum, and at the same time you see this momentum building, you see the arrogance over here on this other side. The governor laughing at it. It's all Republicans. It's all this, all this, all this. And then it hits over 2 million people, and they go like, that's significant. 
You see, there are some human decisions that you have to look at in your life and decide you're gonna make. You have to make a human decision. You know one human decision you make is a decision that I'm going to engage in my society. I'm going to engage in church. I'm gonna be here on Sunday morning. I'm gonna go to the events like Sean is doing, let us worship. I'm gonna support these efforts because this is the way things are gonna be done. Let me take you back to what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 16, verses 24 and 5. Jesus said unto his disciples, if anyone desires to come after me, had you been hearing Jesus and watched the miracles in that day, would you say, I'll follow you. I wanna go with you, Jesus. I wanna go with you, Jesus. And then he started to put the conditions in front of you, and he said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. A cross is not just something you carry. It's something you die on. It's something you give your life for. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Think about that in the context of COVID. How hard some people work to preserve a life that has no promise. Jesus says your life is but a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes away. Job said your life are like sparks that fly upward and dissipate into the sky. Henry Thoreau said, life is like a stroll along a beach. It doesn't last. What do you, all you have is today. What will you do with today? And then he goes on to say, for whoever desires to save his life will lose it. Whatever loses his life for my sake will save it. This is the great paradox in the kingdom. That when I give, I get in return. When I lose something, God gives it back. When I try to hold on to it, it escapes from me. The Bible says in Ecclesiastes, he who desires money will never be satisfied by it. All the time I hear people say, well, when I get rich, I'm gonna start giving. That gives me a pain I can't locate. And I said, I always say the same thing to him. I said, no, you won't. You're cheap now. You're gonna be cheap then. You're just a cheapo. You're selfish. The greatest givers are not the ones with the most money. The most sacrificial people are the people that don't have it. And guess what? Don't be surprised when you get in the kingdom if there's some people you don't know who are in front of you in line. Choice seats for choice saints. John chapter 6 and verse 66. I thought it was an interesting verse. It's 666. And look what it says. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. You ever known somebody who said, yeah, I used to be a Christian? I meet those people all the time. You know what I always say to them? I said, you never were. You just thought you were. I take them to the parable of the soils. I say, you know, you were one of these guys. You didn't have any foundation, or you let the enemy snatch what you had, but you never really had the faith in you. 1 Timothy chapter 4, 1, now the Spirit expressly says in the latter times, some will depart from the faith. Notice the definite article in front of the word faith. This is not your personal faith. This is the faith that is the truth of the word of God. It says in Acts chapter 2, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was that? That's the faith. It's the word of God. They depart from the faith. They say, though, the Bible's not the word of God or the Bible contains the word of God. No, the Bible is the inspired, God-breathed word from the living God. The Bible says that heaven and earth, that, that even in heaven, the words, you will preserve them even there. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God, it will abide forever because it's him. 
Why do you think it's living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, according to Hebrews chapter four? It is because it is God moving in it. When you encounter, when you read the word of God, you're encountering God. If you're not in your word every day, then you're missing out on a God encounter that he wants to give you. You say, well, I've already read that chapter. That chapter becomes new every day because his promises are new every day and his revelations are new every day and his power is new every day and you can't rely on yesterday bread. We always buy potato buns for our hamburgers. Everybody learned this secret yet? They will last forever. They don't get soggy, right? I'm telling you, you buy them a week ago because you know it's that whole thing where I don't want eight buns. Why do I have to buy eight? I want four, I want two, I want three. I gotta buy eight buns. You buy potato buns and they last forever. Now, I know that's not necessarily what you were looking for when you came here today. <laughs> but I want to illustrate something. They don't last forever. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. You can have all the money, all the food, all the security you think, but you cannot be sustained except by the word of the living God. William Booth is an interesting guy. He founded the Salvation Army. A lot of people don't know where that came from. He was actually going to be an apprentice in a pawn shop. And as he was working his way in to try to become a pawn shop owner in London, he realized that most of the people that were coming into the pawn shop had no money. A lot of them were, were selling their most priceless possessions for food. And it so rattled him that he, he transformed his whole life into the feeding of the poor, to taking care of those on the street. And he said what they need more than anything else is salvation, so he called it Salvation Army. The largest, the largest funeral ever outside of the queen up to that point in England was his funeral in London. That's how much he was loved. But listen to what he said. The chief danger that confronts the coming century will be religion without the Holy Ghost, Christianity without Christ, forgiveness without repentance, salvation without regeneration, politics without God, and heaven without hell. That's the day we're living in right now. When I look in the Bible, I like to see God's timetable. George Lincoln Rockwell wrote something that it just so it was so poignant. I had to read it like three times to follow what he was trying to get at here and really grab hold of it. But read along with me here as you just as I read this. It is not the evil itself which is horrifying about our times. It is a way that we not only tolerate evil, but we have made it a cult of positively worshiping weakness depravity, rottenness, and evil itself. We cry aloud in our rooms about the evil that's in our land, and then we do nothing about it. We celebrate the person that doesn't do anything. I had to fill out a police report because a few things got stolen outside of our house the other day. And one of the questions it asked, if we find this person, are you willing to testify? Yes or no? And I thought, what an odd question. I have his mug on my ring device. I know what he looks like. I already know if I see him again, you better believe I will testify. 
You see, but what happens is we become so fearful that we hide in our world and we don't do what is right. You see, evil, if it's going to get any advancement, all it takes is for you, righteous and good people, to step back and do nothing. It's time to stand. Churchill said, Churchill said that courage is the most essential character because all other characteristics of man and character qualities are dependent on courage. You have to be courageous. In Daniel chapter 12, verses three and four, it says, those who are wise shall shine like the brightness of the firmament. Do you wanna be wise? You wanna be a person that said, you're so wise. It says you're gonna shine like the brightness of the firmament. And those who turn many to righteousness like the stars forever. You know what that means? Bring people into relationship with God. But you, Daniel, shut up the words and seal the book until the time of the end, that is the last days. Many shall run to and fro, and knowledge shall increase. So all of a sudden he says, now here's something you need to know, but now I want you to know that most of what I'm telling you is going to be a sealed book until the right time, until the time of the end. And then later in that same chapter, Daniel says, I did not understand. So God is giving him these downloads. He doesn't know what it's like. It's like getting a prophetic word from somebody that is really credible, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you hear it, and you go, I don't know, let me set on that a little bit. Let me think about that. And then maybe a month goes by, maybe five years go by, and you go, now I get it. And all of a sudden, he says, I did not understand. Then I said, my Lord, what shall be the end of these things? And he said, go your way, Daniel, for the words are closed up and sealed till the time of the end. Time of the end. And then, notice the next verse. Then what happens? We're moving toward the end. Many shall be purified, made white, and refined. You know what that is? It's revival. That's renewal. That's salvation. That's the move of God. He says, when you start getting closer and closer to the end of this age, just know there's going to be a great move of God in, in this world. There's going to be, I believe, a worldwide revival that's going to come to our world before the end. And it says, but the wicked shall do wickedly. In other words, what do you expect wicked to do? Do wickedly. That's what they do. They're just good at it. The question is, are you good at being righteous? Are you straddling the fence? None of the wicked shall understand. You see, the wicked don't understand. I was having a conversation with my friend who's the producer on our, on our album, and we were talking, he lives in Portland, and his name is Gabe, and he's here today, and I love Gabe. Thank you so much, Gabe. But we're talking about Portland, and he's talking about just what a disaster it is from, you know, just from a, a standpoint of keeping, it, keeping up with the city. And, and I said, what I don't understand is, if I'm an elected official and I see that, am I proud of my work? But you see, it, the Bible says that the wicked don't understand what they're doing. Their mind gets shifted into a way that, and you go, I don't understand. It doesn't make sense. It does not reasonable. And, but the righteous, it says they will understand. The wise shall understand. You see, what you always want to do is keep your mind clear. You see, the kingdoms of the world are but a scaffolding for God's kingdom. Think about a scaffolding when you build a building. The challenges and the conflicts of the present age are intended to lead men to seek peace and salvation that is in Christ alone. The great movement of God in the last days is at our doorstep. The question is, will you be a part of it? Will you do something? 
Do you realize just what, if you just added into your life five minutes of prayer for our nation, what it would make a difference in a cumulative effect? Imagine if you just talked to one person about Christ every month, you realize what a difference it would make. You realize if you just memorize one verse a month, what a difference it would make in your life. I'm giving you bite-sized pieces here. Now, some of you are going, I can do more, and you go out like, you know, like you're gonna, you know, you're gonna take the hill all by yourself. I say, manage your life in such a way that you're constantly growing in your commitment, you're growing in the exercise of your faith, you're growing in what you say, what you do, the scriptures you read, and be consistent. Consistency will always win in the long run. It will always win. I'm calling you to be consistent. I'm calling you to be, I'm challenging you to be a kingdom follower, to pursue God with all your mind, your heart, your soul, and your strength. I want you to stand with me right now. I'm gonna, I wanna lead, lead you in a prayer. It's an invitation prayer. If you don't know Christ, I want you to know Christ today. If you're uncertain about your faith, I want you to be certain before you leave this house today. You can pray a prayer like this one right after me. It's your faith, my words. They become your words when you put your faith to them. Dear Lord Jesus, I believe that you died on a cross. I believe you were buried in a tomb according to the scriptures. Then on the third day, you rose from the dead to give me eternal life. By faith, I trust you today as my Lord, as my Savior. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, the promise is you will be saved. If God saved you, if you spoke those words, would you thank him right now in your own words? Just thank you, God, for saving my soul. Thank you, God, for saving my soul. If that was your prayer today, would you just lift your hand up? Just say, that was me, Pastor. God bless you. Amen. Anybody else? God bless you. Amen. Anyone else? Amen. God bless you. Amen. God bless you guys. God does what he says he'll do. Amen.